I'm happy around. There's a smile on my face because it is podcast day, bitch. And welcome to Lights, Camera, Cocktails. And I am the silent film star singing and dancing, falling in love and singing in the rain, Zenobia. And I am the make them laugh, make them laugh, little vaudeville chameleon can never do whatever I want, make them laugh, flipping over couches and climbing up walls and making everybody smile for reals, Lenny. (laughs) I love it, I love it. (laughs) You did definitely make me laugh, thank you. And here on Lights, Camera, Cocktails, Cocktails. we pair amazing cocktails with amazing movies. And tonight is no different. Ooh, no different at all, baby. We are starting our new month, which is Feel Good Month, which means that these are the movies that make me and Lenny feel good when we're sad. Everybody needs a movie that you play when you're really down and out and you feel like there's nowhere else to turn and you throw this movie on and you put a smile on your face. So uh, I picked this movie for our first movie of the month and it is singing in the rain just singing in the rain if you didn't know from our opening singing we're doing singing in the rain everybody (laughs) surprise surprise but before we talk about that i'm ready to drink i'm ready to get my drink on i want to chug so hard right now well get ready because we are drinking one of Lenny's all-time favorite cocktails. All-time favorite. The Dark and Stormy. <laughs> because there's nothing more dark and stormy on a day to sing in the rain than mm-hmm. a dark and stormy. So that's what we are drinking today. It's perfect. So what you're going to need to do is you're going to need a tall glass. So like a mojito glass or like a highball glass. And you're going to fill it with ice. Then you're going to put three. You're going to build all of this inside your cup. Some people do it in their shakers. It is up to you. But I'm telling you, the original way is to build in the cup. So you're going to do three ounces of ginger beer. And then you're going to do two ounces of dark rum. And you're going to do half an ounce of lime juice. And you're going to build this in your glass. So the dark rum is going to float on the top to make it look all extra dark and stormy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's it. Some people stir. Some people shake. Some people leave it layered. But you garnish it with a lime wheel or some mint. It's up to you girls on what you want. But that, my friends... It's the dark and stormy. Dark and stormy. Getting into the storm with the rain falling down on my body. Dark and stormy. Okay. Get ready for that dark and stormy. Can you feel the storm coming? That quiet storm. Okay. Anyways, let's cheers. All right. Here we go. Cheers. Cheers. So good. This tastes like home. This is really good. This is my first dark and stormy. (laughs) It is good. Do you, are you a shaker, stirrer, or layerer on your dark and stormy? Um, I layer it and then I usually will end up stirring it with my straw. 
Yeah, because, you know, you got to mix that in there. Wait, we never went to Vesuvio and you never got a dark and stormy? That seems rather unlikely. That's right. Okay, okay. Well, this is like the first one that we I've made. ever made. Here, how about that? This is the first one I've ever made. And uh, I like it. It's good. Yeah, I like good. it a lot. Yeah, you and do. And I can see why this is your drink. You love that rum, baby. Yeah. So as soon as we move in together, we're going to have a full bar full of rum, different types of rum for like mojitos and dark and stormies. <laughs> We're going to have a pirate party and basically just have a bunch of rum runners come over. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my God. Yes. They're going to rum run all over me. Ooh. Ooh. Dirty girl. I'm not joking. Body shots. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So are you And ready? we all know where my dark and stormy is. Ow. Ooh. <laughs> Am I your dark and stormy? You can definitely be my dark and stormy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So are you ready for a little bit of herstory? Yes, give me that herstory. I've been so excited about it. I'm not going to lie. Okay, so this is herstory. It's a little different than other herstories. So I am making sure that I tell all the facts. Okay. This herstory. Grab your drinks so, and let's settle in, guys, because this is going to be wild, I can tell. So to make a proper dark and stormy, you can't just use any dark rum. If you do, it is not considered a dark and stormy. You can call it a gray and rainy, uh, <laughs> whatever you want, but it's not a dark and stormy. Nope. But if you use some of the best rum around, mm. Gosling's Black Seal mm. rum, black rum, that is what makes it a dark and stormy. So let's talk about the Goslings. So the Goslings came to... Bermuda in 1806. And this was all by accident. They weren't meant to end up there. They had a liquor store in London and they wanted to expand their business. So they wanted to set up shop in Virginia of all places. So they did. They filled up a ship with uh, 10,000 pounds of wine and spirits. And they set sail for Virginia so they could open up their own liquor store there. That's awesome. Uh, but something happened along the way, and they kind of got stuck out in sea for 96 days. So they ran out of, like, pretty much everything, and they had to find a place to land, wow. <laughs> to port. Okay. And... The only port between London and Virginia was a Bermuda port. So that's where they went. They and the when Bermuda he, Triangle? <laughs> this is like the, if this is the Bermuda Triangle, I want to, I want to go to there. Okay? okay. Like definitely. So when he arrives there, he realized that nobody on this island has a liquor store like theirs and that this is known as a British, like, Navy port. So they dock there all the time and refuel and, you know, have leave and stuff there. And what is sailors like, bitch? Booze. Rum. So, rum especially. And so they decided to set up shop. So the dad, who was in London, he had sent his son, and he ended up coming there. And what ended up happening is... Once he realized that he could do all of this fucking shit, he bought, he walked about a hundred yards from where they dropped him and his shit off and he bought a bunch of land there and that's where he started the first Gosling's liquor store. 
cool. And in that time, they started making their signature dark Bermuda rum, the Gosling's Black Seal, which we are drinking today. Both of us are drinking today, so we are both are having proper dark and stormies. We had a whole conversation about this. I was like, girl, we can't really just get anything. Nope. This is not a normal drink. We have to, if we're going to do it right, we got to do it right. We're going to do it fucking right. You know what I'm saying? We're going to get yeah. dark and stormy in these sheets. Yeah. In and these so, streets. In these streets. On these podcast wave bands. So the Black Seal Dark Rum is a platinum medal winner at the World Spirits Championship. Hell yeah. Okay, so they have this awesome medal because their rum is the best. And they're one of only a handful, if any more, spirits that have a copyright on a certain cocktail. So like I said, for us to call this a darkest stormy, we absolutely have to use a Gosling Black Seal rum for it. If we do not... Then, like I said, it's not a dark and stormy, and the Gosling family will come for us. So, instead of having them come for us, we're just going to applaud you guys, because they are they are still a family-owned rum company. They're on their seventh and eighth generation of families running this. They are the highest export of anything out of Bermuda, is Gosling's rum. Uh, they don't really care about if everybody in the world gets it. They just care about the people who get it, get the best type of rum. So it might be hard for you to find wherever you are located. I thought it was going to be actually hard for me to find, but it wasn't. And no. I can't believe that I had never bought this before. But hey, girl, here it is. It's on our bar now. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the national drink of Bermuda. So there mm-hmm. you go. If you go to Bermuda and you love you some dark and stormies. Make sure you go to any bar. I'm sure they make it amazingly with their gosling rum. And they will make you the best dark and stormy you ever had. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. And that is the story on the dark and stormy girls. I love it. Thank you so much. I feel like I was a seagull flying over Bermuda, wafting in the history that is the Black Seal gosling. Oof, Bermuda, Jamaica. Ooh, I want to take you. Well, Jason and Smashley have actually been to Bermuda. They have friends that are from there. And they basically told me that it is a place for me to live. Like, I need to retire there. And apparently there's this fucking awesome rum that is available everywhere there. It's their highest export. So I'm excited. One day we will take a trip there. Hopefully we have some fans. We could do a show there. I would love you. I mean, if I can get you get to Bermuda, I mean, that's on the East Coast. I'm down. I am down for the downtown, especially at this point in my life. I'm ready to go anywhere but where I'm at right now. (laughs) Okay, so... It's known for its pink sandy beaches. It's known for its peach sandy beaches. Yes. So. So. Are you ready for the motherfucking drinking drinking game? game. Uh, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. (laughs) I love this. This is my favorite. So you're going to take one simp when someone sings a song. You know how to do it. It's a fucking musical, girls. And there's quite a few songs in here. We got, obviously, Singing in the Rain. 
Good morning, make them laugh. Uh, my little lucky star. Just so many great songs. So anytime you hear one, go ahead and uh, take a stamp. What's your favorite song? Make them laugh. Come laugh, make them laugh. Don't you know everyone wants to laugh? <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite performance is Make Them Laugh. My favorite song has to be Good Morning. Like, I actually like love hearing it. Good morning. Good morning. We've talked a whole I love watching it too. But like, I will say that with that Good Morning is the song that I constantly use in real life. True. Like, yep. I, will, I, I will sing that song more than any other song in this musical, for sure. Like, I don't know a morning that doesn't go by where I'm like, Good morning, good morning, we talked the whole night the through. The whole like, night through, good morning, good morning to you. <laughs> but if I like, if we were to get down, this, my favorite song and my favorite performance would be Make Them Laugh. It makes make them laugh. Make them laugh, make them laugh. Don't you know everybody wants to laugh? Okay. So you gonna take a sip on any song, y'all? Any song? Quite a few. All right. So you gonna take a sip when someone talks about Lena's voice? So anytime they're talking about, you know, her voice, <laughs> I like. I love where they do like Lockwood and Lamont. They talk, and she's like, "Well, of course we talk, don't everybody?" Of course we talk, and you're like, "Whoa!" Shit. They look at her like, "Oh fuck." Doesn't everybody? You're like, oh no, not your ass. I love it. So anytime and I can't they... stand them. And I can't stand them. And I can't stand him. And I can't stand him. And I can't stand him. Can't. 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 It gets me every can't. 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 <laughs> Poor so... vote. I feel so sad for the teacher. She can't. Honestly, I do feel so sorry for her. Can't. <laughs> Anytime we talk about her voice, you're going to take, take a sip. Take a sip. You're going to take a sip when Cosmo gets pushed to the side. So, like, this is, like, the first time we meet Cosmo. He walks up. She's like, oh, look, it's Cosmo Brown. Well, 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 it's Cosmo Brown. And everybody's like, oh. And they're, like, all upset until fucking Dawn comes in. And they, like, basically push him out the way. Oh, yeah. Anytime they come up with a good thing, like, the name of the movie or, like, changing it into having Kathy do the voiceover. Yeah. It's all Cosmo's idea. Like, it is all Cosmo's idea. And everybody always be like, Don, that is so great thing. Like, he came up with it. So anytime people be snuffing fucking Cosmo, you're going to take a sip for Cosmo because he deserves it. Except it's so super cute when Kathy's like, oh, Cosmo. And she gives him a cute little kiss and he falls over He's the like, couch. Oh. <laughs> yes. Pretty cute. We almost had a Cosmo to drink tonight in honor of him. Oh, Cosmo. <laughs> you're going to take a sip when they shoot a movie. So this is them doing their silent movie. I love you. I love you. I love you. And he kisses. I like when they're sitting there fighting each other all upset. Sticks and stones may break my bones. I like to break every bone in your body. You wouldn't know who else, you big llama. She's like, sticks and stones. 
And <laughs> everything they're saying is like how much they hate each other, but they're like fake making love pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> you can't kiss me like that and actually hate me, Donnie. I could kiss a tarantula better than you. She's like, yeah, right. He's like, John, get, give me a tarantula. <laughs> Too funny. Give me one second show this bitch. I'd rather kiss that shit. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Anytime. I love it where they're trying to figure out the microphone situation. Oh my God. It's He's so like, good. That poor director was Whatever you attack. do, talk in the bush. And she's like, Well, I can't make love to a bush. I can't make love to a bush. It's, which is true. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so true. And when uh, R.F. Smith comes through and he's like, what is this cord here? This is dangerous. Someone can fall here. And he like fucking pulls it and it just rips her up. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so funny. You guys, this movie still holds up. It still okay? holds up. It's so good. It's like 137 years old and it still holds up. <laughs> okay. So yeah, anytime they're actually shooting a movie. Go ahead and... Uh, Take a sample. Which I super love because they're on like an old studio lot. So even when him yep. and Cosmo, remember when they're passing through and they get to see all the different scenes, like that was legit. That was so fun. Because it, they couldn't hear you. Mm-hmm. You could just walk through. They're all sitting there talking and no one's listening. No one. Because there's no sound. Yeah. So you're going to take a simp when Lena Lamont has a scene where she's talking. So this is her talking about how, yes, we talk. Or yelling at Donnie because, or Dawn, because she fucking thinks that they're really supposed to be in love. This is her blackmailing fucking RF, the fucking studio head, about how she needs to stay the face. Yep. If you tell the papers about Kathy Selden, it would be detrimental and deleterious to my career. I could sue you for the whole studio. Why, that's a lot of nonsense. Says so. Right here. Contract dated June 8, 1925. Paragraph 34, subdivision letter A. The party of the first part, that's me. You win, Lena. Any other time you hear her squeaky-ass voice, I want you to definitely take a sip because it is screech. It's like nails on a chalkboard. (laughs) Too good. I like that. (laughs) Okay, so you're going to take a simp when Kathy is doubling for Linda. So anytime, Linda, Lena. (laughs) So anytime that you (laughs) see her doing double work, you actually hear her voice. You're going to take a simp where she's doing the song and she's singing to Don while she's doing the voiceover. You're going to take a simp because she's doing all the real work out there. She really is. No, no, no. That gets me every time. I fucking love that scene. Hilarious. I still stop and laugh at that because that's funny till this day. It's still funny. Oh, it's so good. So, yeah, you're going to take a simp when Cosmo falls or does slapstick. So, this is going to be, like you said, we're at the end of Good Morning where Kathy kisses him and he falls over the couch. Mm -hmm. This is every time that he falls and makes him laugh. Yep. This is all of his slapstick. Anytime he comes, like when he's like playing on the piano and it just works out right. All of all of the Cosmo falls 
You'll He's take- a vaudeville genius. Genius. And we will get to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're going to take a sip. You're going to take a sip when someone kisses. So this is going to be Don and Kathy when they're, you know, falling in love and kissing and shit. This is also going to be Don and Lena kissing on set and shit all the time. Mm -hmm. Kathy and kisses Cosmo, right? Mm Mm-hmm. That'll count. A lot of these are going to be double kisses. To be real with you, there was not too many things to do with Drinking Game on in this movie. This movie is quite short and it is straight to the point because it's an old 50s movie. So... There wasn't as many things to pick on, so some of these are going to be double ones, but I didn't want to leave you without a cool tricky game. I love that. No, you thought it out. You don't take a simp when they hide the mic somewhere. (laughs) So in the bush, on the front of her shirt where you can hear the heartbeat. Sure. What's that noise? The mic's picking up her heartbeat. Swell. Ah! Or on her shoulder. Or, you know, wherever they hide it, you're going to take a simp. I love it. Um, you're going to take a simp when anyone ever says Don Lockwood or Lockwood and Lamont, which is their, like, stage names, you know, what everybody calls them. Even when he jumps into Kathy's car and she's like, help, officer, officer, help. And he's like, you need trouble? Later. Officer! That's Don Lockwood. Don Lockwood? How are you, Mr. Lockwood? Out for a joyride? Just a lift, officer. My car broke down. I got surrounded by... Oh, you're a lucky little lady. Anything wrong? Why, no. No, I should think not. Well, good night, Mr. Lockwood. Good night, officer. Hey, you got Don Lockwood in here. You don't need no... You ain't got no trouble. You got Don Lockwood. You got a a celebrity in your fucking car. You're fine, bitch. Go down the road. And she's like, oh, oh, shit. So, anytime. Okay. You hear those. You gonna take a seat. You gonna finish your drink when me and Lenny's absolute favorite thing happens, which is make them laugh, make them laugh. Everyone's out there, no going to laugh, which is one of my favorite scenes. It makes me laugh every time. It's so great. Every time he does flips and he dance with a dummy. Oh, yeah. It's I so can't. good. The slaps. I can't. Even now. It's so good. My niece loved it. She was just laughing so hard at it. It is a great slap. If you don't know what slapstick is, basically watch Make Him Laugh. And that is it. It is a mixture of uh, Lucille Ball and the Three Stooges wrapped into one. It's Make Him Laugh. I love it. One of my favorites. You're going to finish your drink when the Dueling Cabrieras premieres. So when they go to the premiere and everybody's laughing at them. (laughs) They're like, what do you got there, Lena? A blackjack? You know, or like he runs up and he throws his, his, like, cane and just makes this loud ass noise like i love that scene i think it's hilarious she's like "Ooh!" and the funny thing is that like she doesn't even realize that it sucks sounds good and loud huh she's like "Ooh, it's nice and loud i love it (laughs) (laughs) she's so optimistic and fun but she's like i love her I love hate her. I love. She her. does make me happy. I hear her voice and I instantly smile. I know, like, yeah, it's, just it's so great. good. And I can't stand them. Can't stand them. Yeah. So at the premiere, 
where they realize this movie is going to tank. You finish your drink. <laughs> Love it. You're going to finish your drink when Luna gets busted. So this is where the curtains open There's... and we got Kathy in the back still singing until Cosmo comes and pushes her away. I love it when he pushes her. I And he just starts singing. (laughs) And she stops and she looks back like, fuck, and runs off the stage. I know. So mean, but she kind of deserved it. She definitely deserved it. So that's what I got. You got anything you want to add to the motherfucking drinking game? No, it sounds perfect. This one was a little harder than I thought it was going to (laughs) be. Who knew? You did a great job. I I love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hits it full wide. Well, that is... The completely perfect drinking game. Yes. So, are you ready for the stats? Stats, stats, stats. Give me those stats, stats, stats. I want to hear those stats, stats, stats. Shoot me those stats, stats, stats. Ow! I'm going to give you some stats, stats, stats. Yeah, stat me up. Stat me up, bitch. So, this movie dropped April 11th, 1952, baby. This is absolutely our oldest movie we've ever done on this show. That is so exciting. Fifty-six. Other than that, I believe 1962 was Mary Poppins, which was our next oldest one. Oh, okay. I do feel like we will do more older movies in the future, especially seeing how this one does, because this one means so much to me. So the budget for this movie was... million dollars. Beautiful. So we translate that into what it would be now in 2021 money. It would be $24 million, which is not that much. No. Think Uh, a full musical production. Dang. For a huge ass musical production. But the $2.5 million was a very healthy size budget for that time period as well. So, you know, now we look at it and we're like 2.5. You made a whole ass musical on $2.5 million would be like the most craziest thing. But it's more of a $24 million, which I still think is low for the size of musical that we have here. Yeah. But again, this is a different time period. So the way that they pay people is different. Mm. So that's not like them paying every extra and dancer wrapped up into this budget. Because those people are contract players, so they get a weekly salary no matter what because they're signed to Warner Brothers or Paramount or wherever they're MGM, wherever they're signed to, they get like a weekly check. So I don't know if that is also including everybody's like salary. Oh, okay. I don't think it is. I don't think so either. So it's it con- be, they're all contracted actors. They're all contract actors. So I don't think that's factored into the budget because if it was it would probably be over three million dollars definitely okay but just i just want people to think about that Mm -hmm. because i'm not sure but keep that in mind when i wrote that down i kept that in mind i was like i don't think that's everybody it's not everybody's salary definitely no can be so it made 7.2 million dollars which if we translate that into 2021 money it'd be uh, over $71 million that they made on this movie. And that's just like within the first like couple years, years yeah. of this movie being out. So pretty good, pretty good, I think. Uh, that's awesome for them back then. Yeah. It's impressive. All right. So are you ready for Rotten Tomatoes? Okay. 
let's hear these. Let's hear these fuckers. Rotten Tomatoes. Critics. A hundred percent. I don't think that we've ever really had a movie that has been a hundred percent. We've been like 98, 99, but this one is like full blown. No critic has anything to say about it. Bad. Everybody loves it. It is literally our highest grossing movie we've ever done on this as for Rotten Tomato scores. Wow. Cray. Wow. hundred percent. I double checked it. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Crazy. Shit. Okay. I mean, it makes sense, though. It's like one of the best musicals made of all time. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Something that never happens on this show. Damn. Critics, 100%. Holy shit. Holy shit balls. Audience. Audience. 95%. I still think this is a great score. It is a good score. I ain't mad at it. No. Audience, you know, you see you see that this is a good movie. It's timeless. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, both of those scores are pretty good for me. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Yeah. What is the ZZ Fresh? ZZ Fresh. 100%. Nice. I picked this movie because it is my happy place. Whenever I'm really sad or upset, uh, this is a movie that I could put on and it just make me feel really, really happy. Last year was a very shitty year for everybody. And my birthday is in April, so I did not get to celebrate my birthday last year with anyone or anything fun besides drinking champagne and painting in my room because there was nowhere to go. It was the beginning of lockdown. But the thing that I did do to make myself happy was watch Singing in the Rain because it just makes me happy. Usually I follow it with watching another Gene Kelly movie, Anchors Away, Mm -hmm. with Frank Sinatra. But this this one I picked because the songs are great, the dancing is great, the casting is great, the mm-hmm. costume's great. It still makes me laugh. We're naming a bunch of things that are making us laugh till this day, and it's been sixty nine years since yeah. they had made this movie. So yeah, that's that's my score on the singing in the rain. Wonderful. What's the Lenny Fresh? Um, my little Lenny Zest. Lenny Zest. Sorry. No worries. I would have to say it's a ninety nine percent. I love everything from the costumes to the production, the dancing, the choreography is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. The storyline is pretty great. Uh, The songs are are timeless. The only thing I have a problem with is there's there's one little edit cut. Oh my God, I know exactly what you're talking about, but go ahead. And it just drives me every single time I see it. And I forget that it's there. Until I see it again, and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my God. Please, are you talking about where Cosmo's doing the roses supposes behind the the guy reading it? Yes. <laughs> and he's making the faces. And he's making the and faces. It and it cuts. <laughs> it does have a hard cut. It's so bad. And he's like, whoa. Ugh. And I'm just like. It is. I love that you knew where it was because it bothers me so much. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> And the thing is, is that it doesn't bother me. It makes me laugh. It makes me like, God, this movie's old. This That's what I think. I'm like, so oh, God, old. this movie is so fucking old. So old. 1952, you guys. This movie is almost 70. Okay. But like this it movie is, is literally, it's just so perfectly made other than that one point. Yes. Everything is seems seamless except, and I wonder what their thought was, was cut that. there or like what, why? I don't know. Right. I don't know. But that's the only hard cut, and I think it's hilarious that we both know exactly. <laughs> it just drives me crazy. So <laughs> they get 99% pretty, 
besides that one part. Because that's even a really funny part, too, because I love that dance. Oh, that dance sequence is phenomenal. Roses, supposes, it's roses are, but roses, supposes, <laughs> erroneously. I love it. I love it so much. And I know that there was a lot of uh, controversy you know, because Gene Kelly's a perfectionist, so I'm sure that he's not the easiest person to work with. But the way him and O'Connor dance and move together, regardless of what was happening backstage, I know that those two had a fantastic time making this film because you can't dance like that and you can't perform like that with somebody that you don't have a a great connection with. Yeah. Their chemistry is just phenomenal. Yeah, we'll talk about All of these. Yeah. All of this. But yes, that is our stats, stats. for Singing in the Rain. Stats. 1952, stats. bitches. 1952. 1952. Okay. They were jumping and jiving, rocking and riding. Ooh. So let's just jump in here. Yeah, let's go right into the man of the hour, the most important little hoofer there is. Okay. So there are two directors yes. in this movie, one of them being the great Gene Kelly. Mm-hmm our star dancer and the other being Stanley Donnan. Yep. And major choreographer. I, want, I definitely want to talk about him real quick because I do feel like we will talk about him again, but I just wanted to give him his due. Yeah. Because sure. if you guys don't know who he is, he is like the king of musicals. Yeah. That's what they call him. Mm-hmm. The king of musicals. He grew up, watching silent films and then you know going into the 20s he got to do see more talkies and definitely got to fall in love with one of his favorite artists ever fred astaire who is a dance god and just always wanted to make movies like that Mm -hmm. that's fred astaire makes so he ended up getting a job well i mean he started on broadway Yeah, he ended up getting a job on Broadway, and the show that he worked on, he happened to work with uh, Gene Kelly, who just kind of saw something in him and was just like, yeah, you're you're a cool guy. And their friendship grew into being more of Kelly being a mentor for him and them being friends and actually, you know, co-working together as directors Mm -hmm. i think that they learn so much from each other because gene kelly ends up eventually being more of a director in the later part of his career Mm -hmm. but i think that he learned a lot from stanley on how it's done how to do a great musical because this man has done movies like on the town which is another gene kelly movie and it's also a frank sinatra movie yeah another one of my favorites i I love any gene kelly uh sailor movies i am all aboard okay (laughs) usually it does have frank in him yeah Um, i love funny face in 1957 with audrey yes i am a huge fan of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. You were talking about that the other day. Yes, you are. Which is one of my favorites. I love it. I even have the soundtrack on vinyl, You're how much so I love it. Cute. Another one of mine that I absolutely love of his, Damn Yankees. Yes, Damn Yankees is a great show. Great, great. He does the film version of it. But he is just pretty much for knowing for doing those 1950s through the, like, the 60s great big musicals of the golden era that we all know and love. And I just can't not 
mention him because I definitely think that we will do like Anchors Away because it's one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. And I do think that we will eventually end up doing Seven Brides for Seven Brothers Mm -hmm. because that one is just, it is so, it's so good. Well done dancing, huge cast, huge. He's known for doing bright primary colors. He's known for doing sweeping camera motions of big dance scenes. He's known for having very good emotional songs in his feature films. All of these things are kind of known for him. He also is known for being a lot like Alfred Hitchcock without being Alfred Hitchcock kind of deal in yeah. some of his later movies. Yeah, like Sherrod. I really like him in Sherrod. Like Sherrod, which I always thought was a Hitchcock movie for a very long time. Right? And didn't realize that that wasn't him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he also, if you are an 80s person... You might have, and you haven't seen any of these old ass movies that we just named, which is shame, shame on you I because know. these are these are classics. classics that film students should watch. Even if you don't even like musicals, it's definitely something that you should watch. Yeah. But if you aren't, you might have seen some of his work in Lionel Richie's Dancing on the Ceiling. And he makes him dance on the ceiling. That's awesome. Which is really great. I didn't actually know that. Yeah, it's a nod to Royal Wedding, I believe it is, with Fred Astaire, yeah. where he's dancing on the ceiling. Mm. It's the first time that they did, you know, that trick mm-hmm. of having people dance on the ceiling. And he brought it back in the 80s for Lionel Richie. So that's really cool. That's a little bit of what I got on him. If you want to know more, I definitely say do some research. There's quite a few cool videos on him in uh, on YouTube. But yeah. If you love those old musicals from the 50s and 60s, this man is the king Mm -hmm. of those. He's got quite a repertoire, and I'm sure we'll talk about him again. I have a feeling. I mean, we had... I just named a shit ton of movies I love. Exactly. So we'll talk about him again. Yeah. So are you ready to talk about the other man of the the hour? Yeah, let's do it. Mr. Gene Kelly. Mr. Gene Kelly. I'm going to have to say this is the first time that I actually like did some research on him. Something that I had not done before. So Gene Kelly, this is, this is a little rundown on this, on this man that uh, if you don't know who he is, you need to ask somebody. I, I would be really shocked if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know about Gene Kelly. And if you don't, I'm not mad at you. No, no, no. I'm not mad at you. I would just be quite surprised. But I also need you to go back and do your homework, okay? So Gene Kelly, he was born in 1912, August 23rd, 1912. And he grew up in a, a family, a hardworking family. Yeah. And eventually his mom ended up having, taking a job at a dance studio. I believe she was like a receptionist or something. In doing this, at the age of six, she made him join uh, the dance studio and dance. He tried to make his older brothers do it, but they were like, mom, get out of here with that mess. <laughs> so, I mean, I think eventually they end up did taking dance classes, but they weren't as invested in as, as Gene was. Mm-hmm. So eventually him and his brothers ended up having a vaudeville show. And, you know, if you don't know what vaudeville was, it was the YouTube of the beginning of the 20th century. Yeah. It was, a huge comedy variety musical show that would travel from town to town, town entertaining town. the masses. The masses. The people got extremely famous off of doing this. Mm-hmm. And one of them was Gene Kelly. 
and he eventually ended up stopping his show business life, even though his mom had decided that the family themselves should open up their own dance studio, which they did, and it was quite successful. Mm-hmm. They He ended up leaving and going off to school, and as he went off to college, the Great Depression happened, a lot like what we are going through at this moment in our lives. People don't got jobs, people ain't got money, and shit is too expensive. So he did have to come home and go to a less expensive school and not do the whole, you know, living on campus shit because he couldn't afford it. Yeah. So he took tons of different jobs, being like a gas pumper, a ditch digger, a soda jerker, all these all these jobs that aren't really jobs anymore. That is kind of what he ended up doing for his trying to get himself together. He ended up going back and going to work at this dance studio for six years and he was in school and he was like, I'm going to school and I'm going to be a lawyer. And he did two months of school and he was like, you know what? This shit ain't for me. Nope. I am a performer. So he saved his money, packed his shit up and he left and went to New York City, baby. And within a week of him living there, he found a gig. And girl, he got his shit together. He became a big Broadway star and part of his contract was licensed out to MGM and so he had to do like a movie or two a year nothing too big but once they saw how great he was he moved full time onto the screen yep he is a perfectionist like Lenny said he was straight up perfectionist which rubbed a lot of people the wrong way yeah in my research I find that I don't think he really liked women that much he hated if they were taller than him he would make them slouch. Okay. I automatically think that most people are just bisexual. Mm-hmm. I straight up, though, thought that Gene Kelly was gay. And no one could tell me otherwise. And I can see. I mean, I would say Fred Astaire is more gay to me than what Gene Kelly was. Okay. But I could definitely say that, yes, I could see a gayness in his way but that's also i think everyone period well i think everybody is just super queer so that's just my put but when i found out that he had previous marriages like wives i i was yeah he had about three wives i was pretty surprised about that i'm not gonna lie (laughs) yeah i thought he had about three wives i thought he he was like a bachelor forever I, that was a big, when I was thinking and reading about Gene Kelly, I was like, oh, because I knew a lot about him. I, I, we studied a lot about him in college. So I knew already yeah. a lot about him, but I really didn't know his personal life. That's where I got interested in, because that's something that I don't know. I know professional life him, but like, apparently, you know, it was hard for him to work with women. Yeah. They did not. He had really a reputation like for it. That much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even men didn't really like working with him. I did read that O'Connor and Debbie Reynolds also did not quite enjoy working with him because he was such a dictator and a tyrant. Yeah. I heard that him and Frank Sinatra didn't work well together. I heard that he didn't like women who were taller than them. He just, uh, just a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But the way you think everybody's queer I always think that like old timey white people are just like the worst anyway, because (laughs) (laughs) I just like if I if I heard he was like the best, sweetest person where I'm like, oh, my God, G. Kelly. But like hearing that, like 
you know, some of the things about him, I was just like, well. Not really surprised. Not really surprised, old white man. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, history of history showed me anything. But uh, it does not stop me from liking his movies or anything like no, that. No, because, because, and honestly, it's the same. Like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call a, a, a woman a bitch because she demands excellence and perfection. It's the same way he's an artist. Like yes. this and what he created is gorgeous. Like this is all his work. I mean, one of my favorite things that he's done is Hello Dolly. Hello Dolly. And, you guys, uh, if you didn't know that man directed He directed Hello, Hello Dolly. Dolly. And that's such a fantastic, I mean, same as it, a fantastic performance. And to have yeah. a vision like that, you have to expect a level of obsession and a little bit of a compulsion to absolutely be in control. And tyrant is a word that you could use because he just demanded excellence from everything and everyone around him. Yeah. So I don't really hold that against him. And I mean, even afterwards, though, I, I do believe I read a lot saying when people stepped away from the project and months later and years later, they were like, it was an honor to work with him. Like, a, like yeah. it was incredible experience. It was beautiful. He, he's, he was quoted even saying, I don't understand why Debbie Reynolds still talks to me. I was a horrible person to her, but she oh, we will get to it. But yeah, yeah. but he said, he's like, but she was an incredible person to work with. We'll talk about that more because the more I got into the whole Debbie Reynolds thing and it just, I was very surprised that he cast her. Like it was his decision to cast her. Yeah. Like, he, I mean, I I don't know why. I don't not, either. That's that's not that's so shady. No, I do know why because she is so talented and amazing. But from that point, her her resume did not show what she could do. So just going off of like what he probably saw and everything, it's like why would you pick her instead of someone else? Yeah, I mean, she was nineteen years old, fresh. Face just came to Hollywood. I yeah. mean, she didn't. He have, saw something in her. He has an eye. But the thing is that she didn't have a single dance bone in her body. I mean, she did. She just didn't know. I think he saw something. In, uh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay. I have a whole theory on why she is as great as she is. But Gene Kelly, he is in one of my favorite anchors way and out of town. And live in a big way. I mean, this dude is in Pirate. I mean, this dude has so many. If you don't know Summerstock. Oh, my God. Summerstock. Summerstock. If you don't know him, this man is one of the most amazing choreographers and dancers ever to walk on this planet. Yeah. He can dance with himself alongside of another him. He can dance with a squeaky floor and newspapers. He could dance with a mop. He could dance on counters. Yeah. He can jump over things. He can, I mean, like, it's amazing the things. He can dance and tap dance in roller skates. This is the man that we are seriously talking about right, man, right now. There's nobody like him in the world. No. Even though him and Fred Astaire are like, I guess, like rivals in a way, because like Fred Astaire is more of a fancy upper class tails and top hat kind of dancer. He's still really good. Yeah. But Gene Kelly is more of the blue collar, dig deep, jeans wearing, very athletic, jumping over things. Better actor. I mean, better actor, definitely. And I think he's also a better singer yeah. uh, than Fred Astaire as well. But he... Like, I'm surprised we would call them a competition. I, I don't... 
in their day, they were, whoa, 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 whoa. I would definitely say that they are both amazing. No, I would they say that they're both amazing. each other. That's not the, that is not what I questioned whatsoever. I think that they're both incredible craftsmen. For sure, artists, beautiful. I wouldn't put them. Mm-hmm. I would maybe it was a thing in the in that time frame to pit those two against each other in some way, but I don't think that these. I don't. I don't think they're comparable. I think that they did pair them against each other. It's hard to talk about one without talking about the other. Like you don't. You really don't be like Gene Kelly and never mention Fred Astaire, and you wouldn't do Fred Astaire without mentioning Gene Kelly because they actually work together. Their dancing styles are different, but when they work together, it is like some of the most amazing dancing on film till this day. So, like, they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Gene Kelly is a sportsman. He did baseball and football and hockey. He was even on a semi-pro hockey team back in the day, and I think that's why he has his his dancing is so centered and down to earth and very grounded because he's more of an athlete Mm. he also was a gymnast as well and when you are a very good athlete i feel like dancing comes natural to you because you already know how to move your body yeah to coordinate yeah so that's a little bit about gene kelly if you have never seen any other movie if you've never seen a ballet i would definitely tell you to watch american in paris which is some of his greatest work. Yeah. He not only danced and stars in it, but he also directs that one as well. Yeah. And it's so beautifully done. I mean, he also yeah. won an Academy Award for like On the Town. If you're looking for movies to on watch, the town. for mm-hmm. sure watch On the Town. That movie was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has so many good hits. I know I'm missing some. I'm so sorry, but he's amazing. No. I mean, there's just so much. There, The, the man has such a repertoire of great films, so... We'll definitely Such be speaking of him again for sure. Okay. Thank you, so, Gene Kelly. I love you. Thank you, Gene Kelly. You're better than Fred Astaire. Oh. oh. Oh, I said it. I drew the first blood. I mean, I do love me some Easter Day parade and White Christmas. Holiday Inn. I love Holiday Inn. I mean, I, I'm not saying I don't love Fred Astaire. I'm not going to put him down because he's still a fucking Gene legend, bitch. But I love Gene Kelly more, and that is why Singing in the Rain is my first movie. Um, you want some fun facts? The only thing I like him in is Funny Face. Oh, I like him in Funny Face, I too. I love him but in Funny Face. you never seen Easter Day Parade? I have, I have seen these movies. I just, it's not my favorite. Oh. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> I'm going to motorboat you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> They're just there. I know. They look good. They're just there. Anyway. My new swimsuit, man. This thing is like the best thing. So you ready for some fun facts? Yeah. Let me give me a fun fact. Okay. So this movie, like I've mentioned a million times already, came out in 1952. Do you know how much a movie ticket costs in 1952? No. How much was it? The average movie ticket price in 1952 was 48 cents. Stop it. Less than 50 cents, you can go see yourself a double feature. And if you translate that late that into 2021 money, that is roughly $4.72. So still we pay like a shit ton more oh than, God. than what they paid to go see movies. 48 cents. That's insane. And the average ticket price as of 2019, the last time we were actually allowed to go to the movies, <laughs> was about ten seventy five. Ugh. That's if you went to the early bird. Matinee. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a, a little bit of her story on that. Love but it. this movie 
opening day made $95,000. So if you translate that into 2021 money, it'd be $933,775 on opening day. So not too bad. That's a good, that's a good first day. But this movie was not considered a big hit like the first year it came out. It was just considered like a meh. Well, it's the, and, it was those stupid critics that were trying to compare American in Paris to this movie. Which you can't because they're two totally, totally different, different movies. <laughs> totally different movies. Totally different. Even their feel, their music, everything is totally different. None of it is comparison except Gene Kelly. Yeah. It's the only thing. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, it, it took about a year and a half, almost two years for it to be like... A fucking huge success. Yeah. You know, other theaters. Back then, it wasn't like, oh, we have an 18 theater. Theater. No, no bitch. It's like, they have one screen in this place. <laughs> and they would just have time to do these movies. Yeah. I can't. That's crazy. I kind of yeah. miss the simplicity of those days. Can I give you a fun fact? Yes. This is actually one of my favorite fun facts about this film. One of them. Not the most... But it's just proof how Gene Kelly put so much dedication and sacrifice into his work and his art. He actually, and a lot of the actors, the main actors, did they did a lot of self-harm to themselves during these the filming of this movie. Gene Kelly performed with a fever of 103 during the filming of our titled song, Singing in the Rain. And that to me is just crazy. They... That whole, that whole music scene took seven days. He was in rain. The rain was pouring on him for six hours every single day. And this is really, I did not know this. And this is really weird because we talked about how they do like potato shavings for snow and home alone. Mm -hmm. They put milk in the rain water to make it more visible on screen, on the camera. Okay. So one, I'm going to just tell you right now that is a big fat rumor and that stanley himself said nah girl we did not do that we legit just like i saw an interview and he was like everybody says it but no we legit just had regular water and we just made sure that you could see it now a problem that they did have with the water was that there was a pressure issue there was when they really started to get into filming this what ended up happening was that everybody came home it was super hot people start washing washing their cars, uh, watering their lawn, doing their dishes, doing their laundry. And the water pressure at the studio went down to like almost a dribble. So he's trying to sing in the rain and they would have to stop and wait for the pressure to go back up because everybody in Burbank is all fucking home now. So yeah, that 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 is what I heard. And I did see an interview of Stanley in the 2000s talking about that exact rumor. Huh. So then I wonder what the issue was with his wool suit shrinking all the time. And they kept on having to stop because it. Well, the wool suit shrinking is because it, it was being drenched by water nonstop. Plus it was extremely hot by the lights and just being in SoCal at that time. It was just a hot time and his suit wool. Why would you, why would you have somebody have a wool suit? If the whole point of them is to sing and dance in the rain, it makes zero sense. It's going to shrink. Yeah. It's just going to shrink. As soon as it dries, it's going to shrink. So you're right. He did have numerous suits. He said that his, like, suits got so tight that his, like, underwears were, like, falling off of him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he made one of those amazing scenes that we talk about till yeah. this day. It's true. Oh, question. 
Have you seen the Usher tribute to this? No. Ooh, I almost sent it to you. You would love it. It's probably one of the coolest. It was in 2007. Yeah, I saw they that. They had a TV show called Movies. Movies Rock. And they had like music people redo scenes or songs from movies. Mm-hmm. And Usher was like, I want this singing in the rain deal. And he does it pretty much shot for shot, move for move. Because I saw a side by side of them doing it at the same time. Mm-hmm. I've seen and it. He fucking killed it. Yeah, I've seen it. One of my best. Okay, so not so fun fact. I'm sorry. Did I ruin your book? No, it's okay. (laughs) Because I had literally wrote that down because I had always heard that. And as we kept going through through all my stuff and I watched the interview of him, he was like, nah, girl, that's not true. And I was like, oh, man, I got to fucking cross this out. Man, I already wrote that in there. What I will say that's really cool about that part, though, is that they couldn't, when he was playing and he was dancing and he was tapping in that whole entire scene, obviously you couldn't hear him tapping in the water. And I thought it was really cool that Gwen Verdon was one, it was during her start of her career. She's one one of the tap dancers that's dubbed for his tap dancing in the rain, which I thought was really cool because Gwen Verdon's really cool. I literally always thought that was cool as a kid, like watching musicals and people are just like regularly walking down the street and then they start singing and now their shoes have taps on them yeah. and they're tapping. Like I've always loved it. I'm like, yes, I wish that I had fake shoes that were just imaginary tap shoes. Yeah. Yes. Another thing about the singing in the rain scene, um, since we're talking about it, for them to get those cool ass puddles for him to just jump all up in and splash in, they had to dig out some of the concrete to make nice little puddle spots for him to to dance on the lot. Otherwise, it wouldn't uh, puddle up the way they wanted it, mm. which is something I never thought about. Creating the, the effect of the puddle. Yes. I got a cameo, or we can move on to whoever's next. Do a cameo. So you guys, we got a cameo in here that I didn't realize was her until this year. Rita Moreno is in this. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. She's Zelda. Yeah, she's Zelda. Bitch, I didn't know that. She don't look like her. She don't sound like her. She <laughs> looks like a white girl. They gave her a red wig. I just didn't ever really, uh, growing up, I never realized that that was her. And I absolutely love her. We've talked about her previously in our West Side Story. West Side Story. Our West Side Story episode. And she was supposed to have a song. I got a feeling you're. F- Something about hey. I got a feeling you're fooling. Wow. They end up taking that song. She also was supposed to do like the the lead song that we see Kathy do when she's at the party. The they end up cutting a lot of these things from the movie, so we only got to see a little bit of her. You know, she's a uh, a little narc narking on fucking Kathy and Don. Don and Kathy's relationship. She's like, "Thank you, Zelda, for your help." She's like, mm. "Yeah, little bitch." I do love when she comes off out of the the car and they're like zelda she has like this old ass like husband yeah she's a cute flapper like yes that's really cute if you're a fan of hers then uh keep an eye out for her in this movie i think technically she's the last living cast member of this movie she is uh, everybody has passed including our director who passed in 2019 so not too far off from when we are right now so he made it pretty far Mm -hmm. and gene kelly made it through the uh 1996. Or 96. Because he is in Xanadu. Yeah, he is. Still on some roller skates. He's, you know, amazing. So, yeah. She is the only person left. But she was actually younger than Debbie Reynolds in filming this. I think she was 17. And Debbie was 19. So, 
she was like one of the youngest ones in this movie. Which I just, Debbie Knight Reynolds does look 19, though. I mean, she looks young, but I wouldn't say she looked 19. Debbie is has the sweetest looking face in the world. Mm-hmm. Even young girl her, middle-aged her, old ass her, has the sweetest looking face ever. I was told my mom, I was like, she just, look at her face, mom, just look. She's like, she looks so cute. I was like, yeah, all the time. time. Even like 80-something year old her was like, adorable. It's true. (laughs) It's so true. It's adorable. Um, Let's talk about our girl, Debbie. Yeah. Let's squeeze on in to little Miss Debbie Reynolds. Okay, so Debbie grew up poor. Uh, So poor that her dad used to have to go out and hunt jackrabbits for them to eat. That's how poor she was. Um, Out of Texas. And... They grew up, yep, in El Paso, Texas, and they were there until she was seven, and then they moved to Los Angeles, and in 1948, at the age of 15, she won Miss Burbank pageant, and she got a studio contract out of that, and it pretty much changed her life. They changed her name from Mary Frances to Debbie, because the studio had said that Debbie was a nice name for a little girl. It was a cute name for a little girl, which I guess is true. I don't know. I have an aunt named Debbie, and she old, so I don't ever see it as a little girl name. <laughs> but yeah, so she said, yes, I will change my name to Debbie, but I will not change my last name, Reynolds. And they were like, come on, you don't want to change it to Morgan? So we could have had a Debbie Morgan, but she held to her guns Good. and kept Reynolds. Because she a bad bitch. Yeah, she is. Like you said, she had no dancing experience leading up to Singing in the Rain. She did have some gymnastic skills. So, again, that's where I'm going to say that she does know how to move her body for dancing because you're a gymnast. Mm -hmm. So, I definitely see that she had the basis for dancing, even if she didn't think that she could. She said that this was the hardest thing she ever had to do. Singing in the rain and childbirth were the two things in her life that were the hardest things <laughs> to do. So remember that next time you watch this movie. She used to cry underneath the pianos and just it was just too much for her. She was crying one day. I saw an interview. She said she was crying one day and someone was like, what's wrong? Why are you crying? And like before she looked up, she was just like, I just can't do this. Like, I just don't think that I can do this. I'm not a dancer. I don't know what Gene Kelly thought, but I'm not a fucking dancer. Like, this is not meant for me. Mm-hmm. And she looks up, and guess who's there? It is Mr. Fred Astaire. He was working on the same studio, and he was like, here, come come with me. Come, come to my rehearsal. Which, if you know Fred Astaire, he was very secretive with his rehearsals. He even had a guard out front of his studios to keep people out mm-hmm. from seeing him rehearse. But he let Debbie in there and he just went through his stuff and kind of just showed her like, girl, you know, it's hard for all of us. You just have to just take one step at a time. Yeah. And in doing that, it kind of gave her some confidence into being able to do this. And so she got to learn a little bit from Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly and some other dance teachers taught her everything that she needed to know. They were locked her in a room for hours until her feet bled. And then... Ooh, that was on Good Morning. Yeah. And so during Good Morning, which was their hard, her hardest dance scene, which is really hard to be able to hold your own between two great, fantastic dancers mm-hmm. who've been dancing their entire lives. So, like, 
she does a good job. You can see her try. You can see her like, oh, I gotta, I'm, she's wolfing it, yeah. like trying to, to keep it in with them. And she does a fantastic job. Uh, it was a 15 hour day shoot. So they went from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. of just doing the good morning. They tried to do them all in one shot, which is kind of hard for them to do. So if you see, there are a couple cuts, but for the most part, they did all of these shots in one shot and then broke them up. Which that's what makes it just such a great film is the yeah. long shots to fully connect with the dancing. It's it's pretty impressive. Yeah. And your girl went out there. She did her good morning and her feet bled so much. They hurt so much that they had to take a couple of days off before they could do the next dancing because her feet were like, she's like, girl, I can't walk. Yeah. Like, you want me to put heels on and do what? Uh-uh. So they had to give her a couple of days off before they could go back at it. That just shows what kind of pro she is. Yeah. It, it shows that she is a no-nonsense, like, get him. She said that she really connected with this character, Kathy, because at that moment in her career, she was Kathy. She was unknown. She's like in the, the chorus. You know, She she's hungry for it. She's kind of starstruck by being around all these, like, big stars yeah. and, you know so she does kind of she said that she related to kathy so much because she felt like at that moment in her career she was kathy which i totally could see that's cool you know yeah it's nice that she can identify with the character in such a way yeah another thing about her that i absolutely love is that she was a collector so like people We've talked about this many times on the show about people who like do these fantastic shows and then they throw their costumes and props away. And like, we're like, how could you throw that away, girl? This movie is like one of the most amazing things in the world. I would have bought that, like, if you put it up for auction. Mm -hmm. Well, she was one of those people that she would take costumes or props from any movie or TV show that she was involved in um, and kept it for herself. She also would end up coming in contact with things like one of the pairs of Dorothy's ruby slippers and some of the Rat Pack's suits and things like that for movies that she ended up having the biggest movie collection ever in the world. That's amazing. Yeah. And so eventually she ended up having to sell it. And in 2011, she auctioned off all of these wonderful movie items that she had gotten all over the world which i think is great and is definitely the type of actor that i am i do always kind of sneak away with something yeah you got it i I try not to take the biggest thing i try to take something small so nobody noticed that it's gone Mm -hmm. but if i was like a debbie reynolds i'd be like i'm keeping this well probably back then it was a little (laughs) easier like normal and nowadays i feel like the studios are very more strict about costuming and keeping those kinds of things and props and stuff well studios nowadays realize that there are people like us out there who are not okay with you just throwing away the weird suit from the fifth element bitch we all wanted to see that like you didn't have to you could put it anywhere yeah and so studios yes they know that like hey girl we need to keep this because there's film buffs who love this shit and if we have to sell it we could sell it and at least make a mill off of something you know yeah I love Debbie. I think she's amazing. Like we said, she was 19 in making this movie. She was so young. She was so young. That she still lived with her parents. And she still took a bus to the studios every day. God bless her. Isn't that? She's like, 
God bless her. Now, here's one story about her, and we can move on, that I was not happy about. She said that she was doing a scene, and Gene Kelly moves in to kiss her, and he sticks her his tongue down her throat. And she's like a very innocent 19, so she's just like, what the fuck? Like, pushes away, like, what was that? Why did you put your tongue down my throat? Like, she's, like, disgusted, where she's grabbing a Coca-Cola and, like, swirling it in her mouth and like spitting it out like that's how like grossed out she was about this and so he is one of those yeah one of those old time actors who have no boundaries and women are you know up for grabs well he was 39 when he was making this film yeah that's 20 years older than her older than her like that's just weird inappropriate 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 mr gene kelly i know you're dead but still. But still, have some class. Have some class. Have some class. Okay, so, do you have anything to say about Miss Debbie? Highly impressive woman. I love you in Halloween she, And I love I you as say, Grace's mom and Will and Grace. I was going to say, uh, millennials, you might not have seen this movie, but you most likely will recognize her as... The coolest witchy grandmother in Halloween Town and Halloween Town 2. She does play Grace's mother, Willa Grace. She's Bobby. Bobby Adler. Who is basically like a crazy version of her. Like she's always singing. Yeah. She got an Emmy. She she got an Emmy nomination for that role. So you've definitely seen her if you grew up in those times. Yeah. She did voiceovers for... A bunch of shit and and she's carrie fisher's <laughs> mother <laughs> she is carrie fisher princess leia's mother mm-hmm. their tragic end is just like the most saddest thing ever she couldn't be one day without her daughter so she just her body just was like you know what it's time to go i'm out and so they are buried next to each other i do have a i've never met her but after all of, you know, her career in Los Angeles, she opened up her own dance studio, Debbie Reynolds Aww, Dance Studio, cool. which is amazing. I'm not sure if it's still open. I mean, we're in Corona time, so everything is up in the air. But I have been to a couple of auditions there, and I just absolutely love going to that studio. Oh, cool. It is so nice and warmy. It has all of the cool posters up of movies that she's done and singing in the rain even up in the bathroom they have pictures like Uh, if you love debbie reynolds it's like a debbie reynolds museum slash dance studio it's like one of the best things um so so she never she didn't think she was a dancer but she definitely was and she opened a amazing dance studio so i just want to give that one out there i love that about her yeah i've been to about three or four auditions there it's amazing amazing uh studio that's awesome Thank you, and we'll definitely probably talk about you again. Yeah, we should do a we should do Halloween Town. I know, I love Halloween Town. That should definitely be a Halloween movie. One or two. I actually kind of like two better, but I am down for one. <laughs> you know me and my sequels. <laughs> <laughs> you want a fun fact, or you want to move on to me- O'Connor? I want you to give me a fun fact, girl. Okay, this was one of the a really fun fact that I, I really got into and I really liked reading about was the costume designing that was going into the film. Uh, the costume give it to me. I know, right? The costume designer Walter Plunkett, who was also the costume designer for one of Zenobia's favorite films, Gone with the Wind. He Yay. is quoted saying that this movie was the hardest movie 
he has ever worked on, and that includes Gone with the Wind. Because how he says it's because it was it it was different because with Gone with the Wind, nobody in an audience uh, from 1939 knows what a Civil War costume is going to look like. They don't they don't recognize they don't know the style, so they were it was easy to just make a costume for those for that film, but. To make costumes for 1952 Hollywood in the 20s, everyone knew it. And it was a huge deal to, like, know the, the, the designers, the costumes, the styles back then. So he had to make everything immaculate. Had to He paid so much attention to so much detailing. And he made over 500 costumes for this picture alone. He had to dress all those beautiful girls. <laughs> Let me tell you about the beautiful, beautiful girls. girls. Like honestly, all of all of those scenes. That was all him. Everything. Wow. So I like that. Whatever. What's the lady? I don't remember her name, but she's like the weird countess or whatever who comes during the during the beginning uh, red carpet, and then even at the after party. Where they show Ooh, her with the webbing the, the, over the chest because they yeah. left, they always made the villain in the twenties the villain she had to have that persona in public as well. I loved oh, it. That She's like vulgar. <laughs> so good. Yeah, those costumes are amazing. Um, the costume of the dancers during the oh, Broadway. Oh, that the candy. Oh, that the yeah yeah. And they're throwing it. I do love the line where he's just like. She's like, leave me alone. He's like, well, now that I know where you live, I'd like to escort you home. And he's like pointing <laughs> to, to the, the cake. cake. <laughs> so he's good. such a dick. But she totally got him because she's just like, you know, I'm a real actor, not one of you like silent actors. No, she called him out really good. Yeah. He's like, farewell at the Barrymore. And then he rips it. <laughs> he rips it. And she just dies. She's like, oh, yeah, Mr. Hollywood. I can see your ass. <laughs> so good, so good. Like that, uh, the dancer, the green outfit, the one she, you know, oh he's always trying to win over. God, I Sid Charisse was amazing, and see, she is an amazing dancer, amazing. and not just in this movie, but just in a bunch of other oh movies. My she's God, an amazing yeah. dancer. No, oh my god, this isn't but, even the first thing she's done with Gene Kelly. <laughs> no, uh, she is amazing, and she actually did an interview that I saw and she was talking about how like her husband would always know when she was working with Gene Kelly because she'd have bruises all over her fucking arms and legs and shit because of this fool. So into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so into it. I love it. Apparently yeah, there was like I a very it. sexy exchange during that Broadway medley. Mm -hmm. Apparently she like wrapped her legs around him, but it was too oh, risque oh. for the studio. So they had to cut it. Oh, no. I know. She catches his hat on her leg. Oh, She's like, what so sexy. And Whoever so has the diamonds, I'm going with you. No. And I just like, <laughs> it makes me so mad, though, because we'll never get to see that stuff. Like, we'll never get to see the hidden scenes and the cut scenes and stuff because all the negatives were burned in the fire. I did see one cut scene that's not in this movie when she sings. Okay, Debbie Reynolds, Reynolds oh, sings okay. a song. It's like the one that she sings when she's in the studio and she's singing to him while they're recording for the movie. Mm -hmm. But it's like her and she's outside and she's just 
singing and she's talking about how she pretended that she didn't really know who he was but she did and she was not only a fan of his fan club but she was the president and like <gasps> loved him yeah <laughs> loved him and she's sitting there singing and it's her singing to the billboard of singing in the rain you know how at the end oh, yeah. it's the billboard of them mm-hmm. so it's her she's like standing next to his side and she's looking up at his big ass head on this billboard and she's like singing to him like i love you it's just like so cute and i was like oh my god that's like the only thing i've never seen like you guys have that it's really cool that they have that very cool that's awesome so are you ready for the real star of the movie yes i I love you let's do it (laughs) okay so this one the real star of the movie is talkies girl oh yes oh cool okay cool yeah 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 definitely part of the real star of this oh, movie. Neat. Okay. So I'm gonna give you a little bit of history on talkies. So talkies kind of started off as like a carnival type of attraction. Okay. Like you would see it at like Coney Island, and it would three be about a 30 second scene with a little bit of music playing. And like I saw one where it was like a guy playing a violin, and it was like two men dancing together, and it was like one of the like first ones to add like sound to these movies. That wouldn't, you know, normally be added to these things. Oh, um, evolution. It's so cute. Yeah, I went down a deep hole, girls. Get ready. So in 1902, the theater business started to be booming where people could actually make money off of these silent movies and people would go into theaters. It pay less than 43 cents and <laughs> go and watch, you know, movies, silent movies. So silent movies, the people would just kind of be miming and just moving their mouth saying blah 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 and then a title card would come up and it would say the dialogue of whatever they were saying in between the shots also the way they would do this is that they would have a piano player in the theater playing the music as the movie goes on me and lenny are one of our most favorite theaters in the entire world castro theater Theater. was built in the 20s during the silent movie era and Mm -hmm. still does have its organ that comes that rises and falls out of the stage floor so if you're ever in uh, San Francisco, I would definitely I say recommend going to a movie there. Go see whatever they have there because it's usually some old school movie and sometimes some new school movies. Sometimes a sing along. A sing along. We went to a, a Little Mermaid sing along. I've seen Pam Greer. I've seen Apollonia there mm-hmm. in person. You know, they, they have things. Check that out. It's one of those old 20s theaters that'll make you feel like you're in a time machine. Yeah. So eventually, once they got past playing pianos or organs they would have small orchestras come in there and play music during the movies um but it wasn't until the 20s when they started adding like mobile camera angles as the cameras would be able to roll they started adding tracks that would have singing on it along with the singing that was in the movie they would add sound effects like dark dog barking and knocking on the door and a car horn honking whatever just universal sounds that they could use mm-hmm. um, in these movies. In 1877, Edison did a phonograph. And so it was where they could add the music and the movies together. Mm-hmm. It kind of wasn't a big hit. And a lot of people thought that this was going to be a, a nothing thing. Oh, God. That's cute. So around the mid-20s, people started doing it as in vaudeville acts Mm -hmm. would work with people who actually were into this talky technique 
And so I personally yesterday got to watch some of the very first talkies ever. Uh, there were just kind of short scenes of vaudevillians doing their fucking thing. And you're like, I like started tearing up because I was like, you guys don't even realize that it's been like almost a hundred years and we're still able to see your work like that's bananas we can still see your work and i'm sitting here like you guys have been dead in the ground for like forever you have no clue what youtube is but i'm watching it on youtube right now (laughs) like it it was mind-blowing you know they yeah they had you know vaudevillians singing they had them telling jokes they even eventually opening it up to doing news strips. So I got to see the very first presidential speech or address to America with the talkie, like, ever. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, President Coolidge is sitting there talking about how, hey, girls, everybody needs to pay their taxes because working for the government ain't free and we need your money. That's all he's talking about. He's like, hey, girl, pay your taxes. And it's like hey. 1927. And he's just like, hey, girl, I need you to do this. I need you to pay your um, taxes. So the film industry, a lot like a lot of old people in the world, when something new comes, they don't want to have anything to do with it. So when people started bringing these ideas, like, you know what, movies need to go from being silent films to being talkies. A lot of people thought that it wouldn't last longer than 30 days. They thought that this was just a commodity and it wasn't anything that anybody would do a hundred years from now. <laughs> and so Warner Brothers being the very first studio to say like, hey girl, this is like the future did a movie called The Jazz Singer, which we talk about in this movie. Yes, they do. And The Jazz Singer is mainly, I have not seen the movie. I kind of don't want to see the movie because there's blackface in it. But from what I gather, oh, dear God. this movie is about like a vaudevillian jazz singer who just like wants to be a jazz singer so most of the movie is a silent movie as in the title cards come up but when it comes to him singing it's when they matched it to being the music and him singing is the jazz now, the, singer doing the blackface yeah oh my god he has a song about mammy hello little mammy even cosmo makes fun of him because he's like oh yeah the jazz singer and he starts playing and on the piano and he starts it. He starts playing the Mammy song, which is from the jazz singer, which is like the big hit from the jazz singer. Wow, um, that's so, so depressing. It is. And one of the scenes that he does, yeah. he, actu- he actually improvs and does a little bit of dialogue. The very first dialogue ever recorded for a movie, which is, hold up, hold up. Y'all ain't heard nothing yet. And that is the first dialogue ever heard in a movie. Wow. And so... From there on, it went on to being, I think it was called The Lights of New York. And that was the very full first full talkie. And from then on, you know, we end up having everybody started jumping on the bandwagon. But like this movie, you also see how hard it was to go from being a, a silent movie to a talkie because they didn't know where to hide the mics. They really did have to hide most of their machinery in what they called a sweat box, which is what you see the director constantly going, going in and out of. of in this movie. Yeah. It's because the machines were too loud and it was getting picked up on the mics. They really did hide mics in bushes and rocks and phones and lamps. They would sew them on to people's shirts. Uh, all of the things that we saw in this movie, they really did have to go through that before they realized how we could do this. You know, yeah, wow. we have to thank these people yeah. for uh, making it so easy. So if you are a filmmaker like us 
if you are a YouTuber, if you're a TikToker, if you're a podcaster, you owe these people a big thanks because they definitely helped us understand sound in movies. Wow. Yeah, so that's our real star of this movie. Little talkie. Talkies, <laughs> as they call them. And we just call them movies. Yeah, now we just call them films and movies. They don't really make too many modern day silent films. The Artist is on HBO Max. I was about to say The with, Artist. It's on there. Along with Singing in the Rain. Mm-hmm. And I think Acres Away is on there too. So if you like some classic movies, HBO Max. HBO Max is doing a really good job about having the best of the classics. Let's talk about... Uh, one of our favorite characters in this movie. Dude. It's underrated, definitely. Unbelievably underrated. Um, Seriously, when I read that he used to smoke four packs of cigarettes a day and lived to be 78, I was like, idolized. <laughs> I live with... How is... This man is amazing. Amazing. We're, gonna, we're talking about Donald O'Connor. Yep. He's Irish, if you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> but he definitely is the light at the end of the tunnel of this movie he definitely keeps it going through he's a great friend he's a great co-star he's just amazing Mm -hmm. in this movie like i love cosmo and don's relationship yes they've been best friends since they were little kids yeah they do everything together they walk the same they talk the same they dance the same what does he say he's like we always had one motto dignity always (laughs) dignity and then you see the debauchery that these two little kids had to go through go through yeah i <laughs> to love him. I, I think he is i know sneaking into movies and stuff i love the line probably one of my favorite lines of cosmos it's where don is like getting attacked by his fans and he's like cosmo call me a cab and he's like okay, okay you're a cab, you're a cab. <laughs> so that is so funny it's- to me i don't know why these jokes are not modern day jokes no but it's no. still great they're still so good <laughs> okay you're a cab okay. and he legit doesn't even help him he does <laughs> not call him up a cab he does not help him his friend out at the slightest he has to climb over a bus and jump into some bitch's car i know it's amazing <laughs> it's amazing how what what lengths that man will go through to avoid <laughs> his fans they were trying to rip off souvenirs from him though which was really they creepy. were ripping his clothes but Cosmo did not help. He just got out of the car and looked at him. Yeah, not gonna happen, not gonna happen. That's so fucked up. He was, he received a Golden Globe for his character, Cosmo, which I thought was really admirable and honestly well-deserved. He was a little worried about doing this movie with uh, the great Gene Kelly and knowing that he had to dance so closely to him. Yeah. I mean, look at their first, like, adult scene where they're, like, playing the fiddle together and they're dancing mm-hmm. they're spot on together like they're siamese twins like it's amazing yeah but he said that he was worried because he was like oh shit i wonder what leg kelly turns on like which way he turns i turn to my left because that's my strongest yeah but like a small percentage of people turn on their left yeah and if i have to turn on my right like i don't know what's gonna happen so he runs up to gene kelly and Gene Kelly runs up to him, and at the same exact time, they're like, what leg do you spin on? Like, which way do you spin? And they're like, left. And he's like, me too! Oh, great! This is perfect! Oh, I don't know what would have happened if we had to, like, I had to learn and, like, do it on the other leg. But, like, their dancing was so synced because they themselves danced that way. Yeah. Separately. That's amazing. They're amazing. Which, uh, they are amazing. 
His whole family was a huge vaudeville team. That's how y'all got started. He was a traveling act with his mom and his brothers and sisters. Yeah, they were in vaudeville and in circuses. Like, that was their their gig. And what I thought was always cool is that so was Gene Kelly. He was in vaudeville as well. But him and O'Connor didn't meet until in Hollywood in this film. I mean, both of them have been doing it their whole lives. Their whole lives. Uh, like O'Connor hit the first time that he was ever on stage. He was 13 months. I know. They were holding him by his neck and having him dance. Yes. And he was just like, do, do, do. It's like, they you can get any he... kid to do that. Only I got paid for it. <laughs> Classic. <sighs> like his parents said that he was so talented that he could dance before he could walk. He could sing before he could talk and he could play music before he could read. That's how good he is. Before we could do the bare bit minimum of just like walking and conversating and reading a book, this fool was like already like mastering other shit. That's how talented he was. I read that he was in the U.S. Special Services in World War II, a.k.a. means that he's an entertainer for the troops. <laughs> so he spent most of his time singing and performing and entertaining the troops. A lot like a Bob Hope type of thing. Uh, Gene Kelly also did that for the troops. But yeah, after that, I don't know if you know this, but about our favorite song, Make Him Laugh, okay? Okay. So when he started preparing Make Him Laugh, Mm -hmm. he was kind of going through his dance and everything that he was going to do. And he had some of the crew like sit. He was like, sit down, crew, sit. Just watch this and tell me what you think. And so he kind of did it. And one of the crew people threw him a dummy and was like, do something with this. Make us laugh with this. <laughs> and he was like, okay. And basically what we see in the movie is what he did for the crew that day who <laughs> absolutely laughed and loved it. And he was just like, all right, then this is going in. So him grabbing it and it's touching his knee and he's moving it off the knee and kissing it and going behind the couch, throwing it up and all those fun things. He did it for the crew. They ate it up and he was just like, all right, well then I'm just going to add this to the make them laugh. And he did. And that's one of my favorite parts. Yeah. Like you said, this fool is like a four pack a day smoker. I know. And he was a dancing machine. So when they... Had him do it, the make him laugh. He had to have them bank one of the walls so that he could make it up it. And he had to fix some of the walls so that he could go through the walls. And then he filmed it. So that whole scene that we see, it's not one take, but it's very damn near almost a one take. Yeah. And he did it all in one day. He did great. He said he was exhausted. He wanted to kill himself. His feet were hurting. He just was too much. He laid he up in home. bed three days. Yeah, he went home and he laid up in bed for three days. Like kind of had to go to the hospital kind of deal. Like he was, girl, he gave it his all. all. And so then when he came back on the set, all of the crew, everybody's all clapping for him. He looks over. Gene Kelly's clapping for him. He's like, oh my God, I did my shit. Yeah. And Gene Kelly's like, that scene was amazing he's like thank you because he had to do this on a concrete floor Mm -hmm. that's what he was dancing was on so his feet his shins all that shit hurt so when he came back and everyone was applauding for him he was like that was a great number but uh do you think you could do it again Mm -hmm. and he's just like yeah i guess he's like oh okay so do you think you could do it again tomorrow because we had some technical difficulties and all that was not up to par 
it wasn't you. It was like something with the film it was with and the it camera. Made it foggy. Yeah, and the camera. The aperture. No one checked the aperture on the camera so that the film came out foggy. What the fuck? I would be furious. Someone got fired. And and this Someone is definitely fired. something that us millennials have no clue about because bitch, we do everything digital. We can literally see it as it's happening on a tiny screen. Like <laughs> So we don't have these problems, but that actually was a problem. So he got his shit together and redid that entire scene all over again. And that is what we see. So I hats off to him because damn Gina, you couldn't have paid me to complain. redo it again. He didn't complain. He did not. He just said, okay. And he professionally just like shook it off and did it all over again. All over again. It's amazing. He's an amazing, amazing actor. Vaudevillians are a different type of performer. They're not the same as us Mm-mm. because they had to literally, they went through depression, no food, traveling around the country, hoofing it, you know, oh, oh, well, your feet hurt and they're bleeding. We have a show tonight. Like they are the epitome of the show must go on mm-hmm. is that generation of performers. We have no room to complain about shit compared to those fools. Yeah. And, so. and historically, this is considered one of the most fantastic feats of musical scene there is. Like ever, It is constantly being revered as one of the most incredible acts that anyone has ever seen. On Not a lot of people can accomplish walking up a wall and doing a backflip somersault. That's not something that is Twice normal. Twice, and then jumps through a wall. Yeah. And one of my favorite things is, it has been tried in the past, people, to show homage to the scene itself. But in 2009, do you remember Joseph Gordon-Levitt did it on SNL? I will never forget this. Oh, yeah. And he tried his hardest, and he actually pulled off some really great moves. And his singing was great. I I loved it so much. I love Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's just so cute. But for him to do a little tribute to Donald O'Connor for the opening of his SNL hosting, I was like, this is pretty freaking cool. <laughs> so the AFI, the American Film Institute, put this movie as its number one out of 100 best musicals of all time. And it is number five in the greatest movies of all time yeah. so it is up there and it was nominated for two oscars and did not win either one no isn't that so sad yeah there was yeah. the best original score for uh lenny hayden and then best supporting actress for uh gene hagan amazing amazing but yeah i don't know what they were smoking in 1953 when the award ceremony was going down but y'all y'all missed out on the classic that we all fucking love um there's so many fun facts in this movie we could not get to them all but i do have a couple more you got any um i do have a couple more i i really did want to just touch base a little bit on gene hagan if that's cool do it yeah i don't i mean i'm not going to take up too much time she actually unfortunately um her career was not as flourished as it should have been because she was a phenomenal actress. The comedian that she is, she's a beautiful human. And I, she does not sound like that. She doesn't. That just a voice for the, the movie. Actually, what's really, really super fun is that there is this really fun fact. The dubbing in this movie is pretty hysterical and ironic because Debbie Reynolds, who is played plays Kathy, 
she is supposed to be dubbing the voice of Lena because Lena's voice is too shrill. But what's funny is that Debbie had kind of a, a too soft, too sweet of a voice, and they really did want to have something a little more richer and and deeper and more luxurious. So when you hear Kathy in the studio dubbing for Lena, that is actually Gene Hagen's real voice. Nothing can keep us apart. Our love will last till the stars turn cold. All right, Kathy, go ahead. Nothing can keep us apart. Our love will last till the stars turn cold. That is her beautiful voice. It's gorgeous. It's like actually. Is that her singing too? No. So it's not her singing either. That is the. So then it gets even deeper. There's a woman who goes by Betty Noel. Is that how you say her last name? Betty Noel. Okay. She Uh is the one that's actually singing the music that Debbie Reynolds is singing for Gene Hagen. So it's like a whole so it's three women dubbing. two women's voice. Debbie Riddles is not dubbing anyone's voice. She's just pretending to dub. She's just voice. yeah. She's just pretending. De- Betty Noyles is the one that's actually singing that Kathy is pretending to dub for Lena. Of her charms, would you? And Jean is doing the dub for her own voice. For her own voice. So <laughs> Debbie Reynolds actually doesn't do any kind of dubbing for anybody. She just sings her own songs in Good Morning. And uh, it was just, and it, honestly, it was because Debbie Reynolds was still coming out. She was 19 years old. She was really young in the biz. And she her still. Her voice was too. Hi. Yeah. yeah, it was too young. It wasn't really what the producers and Gene Kelly were looking for. So they were naturally like, you know what? Gene has her own great voice. Let's just put it in there. So that's th- the two songs, Would You and You Are My Lucky Star, is actually sung by Betty Noise. What do they think I am? Dumb or something? What do you think? I'm dumb or something? <laughs> She's so good. Yes. Gene Hagen thank you. is so good. She was no more for being a dramatic actress prior to this. Mm-hmm. Kind of leading up to this, she did a little bit of like comedy, but this was literally the biggest thing in her career. This I mean, to be real with you, this is the biggest thing in everybody's career, yes. including Gene Kelly's. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what everybody is known for, yeah. this movie. She was the comical femme fatale, though, uh, in Adam's Rib, which she starred opposite of Catherine Hepburn. So she yep. does have a little, she, she was recognized. And then she was in that television show, Make Room for Daddy, I guess. So Make Room for Daddy was like a kind of like family TV show. Mm-hmm. And she was so ingrained in that show. But by like three years into doing it, she was just like, I like have babies and I like rather be home with my yeah. babies. And I'm tired of playing this character. Mm-hmm. And usually, especially back in that time, they would just put another white lady as the mama and just keep, keep going but they loved her so much that they killed her character off and like had him marry somebody else because they didn't want to have to replace her well she had three emmy nominations for that role alone i've never seen yeah. the show unfortunately Me i couldn't neither. find any videos of it online which if anyone knows of anything or any space to get it i would love to watch it because she's just so funny 
this lady is just so good. She did Singing in the Rain, and unfortunately, this was the biggest thing that she does. Afterwards, she really can't get a lot of bookings for anything else. So then she dives deep into drinking alcohol. Her husband tries to leave her and take the kids, and it throws her into a deeper alcoholism, which then she turns to, she she goes into a coma. Yeah. And thankfully, she comes out of the, the coma, and her daughter says she quit drinking right then and there. But then she got throat cancer. And she was able to fend off the cancer for a little while. And she was able to jump in at a couple of other shows, which was really cool. So, unfortunately, she didn't get the Academy Award for Best Brain Actress for this. But she was nominated, which was really cool. And I think she's just a brilliant and beautiful actress. And I'm glad we get to see and her. And I'm glad this. that we will always have her in this. Just hearing her voice makes me happy. Mm-hmm. So, here's a fun fact. Okay. So, the singing in the rain was supposed to be all three of them. Like, kind of like what we see at the beginning, where they're in the rain jacket, singing, and they just kind of sing it. But they felt like they needed to give Gene Kelly, like, his his one dance by himself. And so they were supposed to be, like, singing the singing in the rain to cheer each other up after coming back from the premiere for the movie. Mm-hmm. What's what the song was supposed to be. They decided to have it be after he kisses her. in the rain. What a glorious feel, and I'm happy again. I'm laughing at clouds so dark up above. And, you know, he's just super happy. But they still want, uh, yeah, and he's like waving the car. Waving the car. Keep on going, just go. While watching the movie this time, I really had to write down every single type of dance that they do in the movie because I just wanted to know like how many of the actual dance techniques do they hit so we've got the Lindy Hop known as the Jitterbug tap dancing I wanted to add this because I feel like it's its own style Uh, the vaudeville style performances like the dancing and stuff I feel like that's very like specific for that swing ballroom there's tango salsa we have ballet and we have jazz step I think you got them all. I think so. The only thing that they didn't do that's traditionally a, a, a dance technique is like uh, like Irish step dancing, folk step dancing mm. and stuff. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. don't have anything like that, really. Okay. Look at you. I like that. Thank you for the dance breakdown. I had to. I had to. Because it's just, it's this, mo- this movie is too beautiful with all of its different techniques and it just adds everything into it. This movie is beautiful. It's so beautiful. It is one of the first out of 25 films to go into the Library of Congress as a film. Mm-hmm. Isn't that fucking dope? That is so cool. Also, it's really impressive that the Broadway medley ballet is 17 minutes of this movie. I definitely feel like it is a little too long. It does take the movie on like a whole, like I forget that I'm watching Singing in the Rain like <laughs> because it just goes on a whole different like tangent of some other shit. Mm-hmm. And you're like, where how I does this it. tie in with the with the dancing cavalier? Where where does it happen? Remember, uh, Cosmo says like he hits his head or something. He'll, and a sandbag he, will hit his head, and he'll go into this dream of French Revolution. And he's like, and we'll do all the model stuff, yeah. you know, like all this shit, and then he'll go back to the dueling cavalier. And you're like, okay, okay, okay. That whole ballet, the Broadway ballet, was six hundred thousand dollars alone just to film. I can see that, which put them over their budget by eighty five thousand dollars. 
It is a big chunk of this fucking it's movie. Such a big moment of this movie. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? And they ended up filming it six months after they completed filming of this film. That's why you don't see Cosmo at all in it. But he had to go back and do a film for Francis and the Talking Mule. So he wasn't present for the filming of this entire sequence. That's 17 minutes of this movie. Okay, so this movie had merch. So there's people out there who might have a grandparent who has some of these merch. So I'm going to keep you guys updated on some of the things. I don't know how much it would sell for, but your girl would definitely put a bit in on some of these. So some of the singing in the rain merch was you could get a big yellow raincoat. A lot like what you see them wearing. Also parasols. uh, The soundtrack. People would buy the soundtrack on vinyl i might have it on vinyl i didn't even look but i think i might have it actually on vinyl oh uh, my god someone's selling in one of the original uh, movie posters for two thousand dollars see you can make some money so if your grandparents are old and they are hoarders and you start going through their house and you find some singing in the rain merch put them up on ebay yo they also had sheet music that people would have. So if you have any of the original scene in the rain sheet music that they would sell. Mm-hmm. This time period was very big for the 50s, the 20s. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the beginning of the beginning of nostalgia. Before this, people, you know, they thought about the past, but they weren't like nostalgic about it. Like the way that they are now. Mm-hmm. You know, people can't watch an 80s or 90s movies without being like, oh my God, I was young. And all that shit with it. But this movie kind of start that because it's talking about the 20s mm-hmm. when it's really the 50s when they're filming this. Yeah. People are like, oh, the 20s. You guys don't know anything about these flappers. These flapper bitches. These, this is real music. This is the real shit. You know, these music you 1950s kids listen to is just some, it ain't real music. You know, just the same old people talk yeah. that they do today. But they were just super nostalgic for the 20s during the 50s, like the way we are about the 90s at this point in our time Mm -hmm. and the 80s. So people flocked to this. People wanted these songs and wanted the movies, the music and the clothes and anything they could get their hands on. So you might have some singing in the rain merch in your grandma's house and your grandpa's house, your great granny's house. Look it up. (laughs) Okay, so... Yeah. So, my darling, what is our last fun fact? So, this little fun fact makes me so happy. And they hint at it just, like, a little bit in the movie itself. But do you remember there's, like, the big tropical scene? And it's when they, they're in the studio and they're, it's lined up that there are all these different scenes coming up in the studio lot. And you see, like, the jungle and there's, like, a monkey that's hiding out in the bushes. And then the guys move on to all the different scenes that they're filming. Yeah, and it's like a... a stadium of cheering fans Mm -hmm. so at the very Mm -hmm. end what they originally had thought of an an alternate ending for this film is that lena because she still has a contract with the studio has to keep making film so she stars in a movie it's called the jungle princess and because it's like a talking now all she does is grunt and it shows her just going oh shit Oh my god! Yeah. This is a real clip. The, I need you to send this to me. No, I you can't see, see it because they, they, were, they were all destroyed. Oh. But this was something that they had filmed, set up to be an alternate ending instead of what they had. 
because and also this is crazy at the movie premiere she is seen married to cosmo brown <gasps> she to be real with you i definitely could see that mm-hmm. i could see them getting married yep because he ain't gonna put up with her shit and she kind of likes that yeah exactly they have this like little tete-a-tete going on most of the time in the movie like he teases her and he's like oh but like obviously he's in love yeah. with her because she's amazing but those were two those were that was the alternate ending that they had in the can but unfortunately it burned up so we'll never see it and also they just liked the ending of them looking at the billboard and they had already cut again Debbie Reynolds you had mentioned singing the last song to the billboard of singing in the rain so so yeah well fun we did it it stands the test of time it makes me super happy to see i smile i laugh i sing along i dance to this movie so if you've never seen singing in the rain it is on hbo max please do it I, it's not a black and white movie nope. so i know that is a, a deterrent for some people they're just like i just can't get into it because it's in black and white it's in color bitch so watch it it's in Technicolor, baby. Technicolor. And see how people kind of made movies back in the day. Wait, this line, I forgot this line. Lena, she can't act, she can't sing, she can't dance. A triple threat. Triple threat. <laughs> thank you. Do you want to tell everybody where they can find us? Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. You can, you know, catch us wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's uh, Podbean is our home base. And Spotify, of course, FM Player. Uh, check us out. We'd love to see you guys on the boards and doing a little bit of those streams. Go ahead and email us any film recommendations, any close encounters you have, any great stories, any great fun facts. Go ahead and send it to our email. It's a Lights Camera Cocktail, no S. Get the S out of here. At gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. I love reading your emails. It's so much fun. You can check us out on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. You know, we do what we do here because we love drinking cocktails and watching movies. And if we bring a little joy into your humdrum lives. If we bring a little joy into your humdrum lives. It makes us feel as though our hard work ain't been in vain for nothing. It makes us feel as though our hard work ain't been in vain for nothing. Bless you all. Oh, that's a good one. Thank you for that. You might keep that for the rest of the rest of the year. <laughs> you can add that whenever you want. I think that's hilarious. Think a- well, she did make my humdrum life happy. She did. It was not for nothing. It was not for nothing. The- yeah, so you got to tell me what our next feel good movie is for next week. Girl, I know I speak for both of us when I name this movie because I... I, I love this fucking movie. We have talked about this movie so many times on this effing podcast that it is time for us to finally do it. We are watching That Thing You Do. That thing you do. Doing that, that thing, thing you, you do. do. Another semi-musical, I guess. Yeah, kind of. Breaking my Breaking heart, my heart into, into a million, a million pieces. pieces. And like my boo-boo, Tom Hanks. Do. And Rita Wilson, my boo-boo. Yes, the O-Neaters themselves, bitches. The O-Neaters. We are going to do. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not with these fellas. I have a pig entered in the pig competition, and I'm going to win that blue ribbon. I can watch that movie any moment of any day. It's so good. We're catching each of the strip shack shooters. The strip shack shooters. (laughs) 
Oh, there's so many good one-liners in that movie. Get ready for it, you guys. Get ready to do that thing you do with the wonders in my boo-boo Tom Hanks. So, yeah, that's next week, you guys. Another feel-good movie. I love it. I love it. I, I, when you said it, I was like, yep. 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 We're doing it. It just makes me feel so good, you guys. You have no idea. It does. I'm watching it as soon as we get off of this. <laughs> I love you. All right. Shrimp Shack Shooters. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, everybody. We did it. Thank you for listening with me and drinking with me and talking with me, Lenny. I love you so much. I will do this anytime, any day, any week, any month, any year. I am so ready to finish this and turn the air on because I'm sweating. Oh, I bet. I'm so sorry, girl. Yeah, let's get you off. Thank you, everybody. And we'll be back next week for another episode of Lights, Camera, Cocktails. And I can't stand them. <laughs> and I can't, can't stand them. <laughs>